welcome to the Academy of General Dentistry podcast series featuring Dr. George Schmidt. Each episode features experts in the field of dentistry who share insights and inspiration to help you succeed. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We've got a fantastic show for you today as we welcome Amy Wood to the program. Hey, Amy, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you, George? I'm doing fantastic. Really great to have you on the program. We've got some really great stuff to talk about. Um, but what I want to do is just tell, tell our audience a little bit about you. Uh, so Amy is a best-selling author, speaker, consultant, and coach. She has a background in healthcare information technology and has spent the last decade as a HIPAA educator, risk assessor, and data breach consultant. Out of the hundreds of data breach investigations she has consulted on, her clients have received zero fines and zero patient lawsuits. She's well known for taking a very boring everyday compliance course and turning it into an entertaining and educational conversation. And that's what we looked. That's what we look to uh, talk to talk a little bit about today. And so, Amy, you know, I've always thought of HIPAA as kind of a really dry subject and something that's you know, not so interesting, but it's so important. And ha so, how'd you get started with all this? It was completely by accident. Uh, I was happily running a small healthcare specific IT company in Northern California with my husband and decided, hey, why not add to the chaos with a young family and a small business and, and throw in upper and lower orthognathic surgery. And my x-rays from that ended up for sale on the dark web. And I've had uh, financial identity theft, medical identity theft. It's affected my ability to deal with credit with my businesses over the years. Um, it's just, it's made life a lot more difficult. And I realized that all the doctors that we were working with, they didn't understand the, the regulations that surrounded the safety and security of the information that they collect. And then I got my hands on everything and talked to everyone I could and got involved in every organization that I could and found that there really wasn't anything available for the small uh, professionals in healthcare, especially dental. So um, that's how I got into speaking. It's how I got into consulting. And, and then I started doing data breaches and that's not what I want to be known for, but unfortunately I'm really, really good at it. Wow. And so I was going to kind of talk a little bit about this later on in, in our chat here, but if you find yourself in that kind of scenario, like you did, where you're on the dark web and somebody stole, I mean, how do you dig yourself out of that? I mean, how do you even recover from something like that? So it's a little bit of proactive and a little bit of reactive and uh, things will just keep popping up. Um, I'm still dealing with things. Um, so the proactive approach for everyone, especially doctors and business owners, is to do a credit freeze with each of the three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. It's free. And if you want to increase the line of credit or get a new line of credit, new credit card, loan, anything like that, you just do a temporary unfreeze for 24 hours, and then it locks back down. And that way, no new lines of credit are opened in your name. So that just, that kind of addresses that, but then you still have the credit cards and loans and, and things that you already have open. And uh, just last year, I had someone try to add two authorized users to my business credit card just by calling the 800 number and impersonating me. 
So those are things that still happen. And my medical identity theft, uh, my medical insurance information had been available for sale for over a decade. And uh, a year and a half ago was the first time that it was actually used. Someone tried to impersonate me to get gastric bypass surgery. And my first thought was, I mean, I know I let myself go between three kids and COVID, but I thought I was somewhere between curvy and fluffy, not morbidly obese, but okay, who is this lady? And um, a year later, after that was found out, I'm still trying to clean up my medical record. And I didn't do anything wrong. So I, I never want any dentist to have their patient feel victimized like I have over and over. So, you know, for, I don't know how many of our listeners have had this issue, but I've personally had this myself, not from a medical standpoint, but about 10 years ago, my wife and I were buying a property in Florida. And one of the folks in the, um, in the condo board where they review everything stole all our information. And I mean, within a matter of, I don't know, hours, they were buying all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what I bought at Lowe's and Home Depot and TJ Maxx and all that kind of stuff. And these people are really crafty and they're fast, right? I mean, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. And, and it's, it's, you know, you, you feel really uh, exposed when that, when that happens. Um, we were, we were fortunate enough to get away from it pretty quickly. I mean, we, we identified the people and all that, and it took six months to a year and we did all the things that you said, we froze the credit and all that kind of stuff and knock on wood, we haven't had stuff going on after that, but uh, yeah, it's a problem, right? It is. I also think adding, pin codes and passphrases, especially to business accounts. Uh, so bank accounts, credit card companies, um, if you have business cell phones, any kind of account that you have, adding extra security to it is always a good thing. So I actually had a situation uh, several years ago, someone tried to do what's called uh, pin swapping on cell phones in order to get two-factor authentication codes. Uh, sent to a different cell phone. And they went into an AT&T store to try to do this with a fake ID, but they didn't have the special pin code and passphrase that we had set up there. So that's what stopped these guys. Wow. So, you know, we could talk about this on two different levels, of course, right? There's the personal, the experience that we have, but also as an owner of a dental practice, right? We have some basic, not basic, we have some significant responsibilities to protect people's information. So talk to me a little bit about two things. Number one is if if this were to happen to you, there's significant fines and penalties that you could have, right? And then tell us some of the very basic minimal things that you should have in your office so that you're HIPAA compliant. Sure. So the fines and penalties are always the, the scare tactic that's used by most people educating on this topic. I've done hundreds of these and I'm pushing pretty close to 500 of them now in the dental space in the last 10 years. And I can tell you that there's only ever been seven dentists since 1996 that have received a HIPAA fine. So chances are pretty good you won't have a fine, but all the mitigation costs and the reputation damage and potential patient lawsuits on a state level, that's the real damaging effects of, of violating HIPAA uh, overall. So it, it could be much, much, much worse than just a fine from the government. Now, as far as making sure you're HIPAA compliant in your practice, there I, I kind of like to break it down into 
three major things and then from there break it down even further. So it's really about your people, your processes, and your technology. And so that means training your people, making sure it's not that 20-minute boring hospital level HIPAA training that nobody knows how to spell HIPAA correctly at the end of. And, and in case you need to remember that, there's no PP in the HIPAA pool. It's two A's. <laughs> Um, and then making sure you have the right policies and procedures and paperwork in place, and then making sure you have the right uh, IT technology and security in place. Uh, I am still walking into dental offices today that have just antivirus and some kind of backup that's been in place for 10 years or more. And that was standard of care 10, 15 years ago. But now with all the information that's gathered and sent in and out of the practice and all the technology that's integrating with practice management systems, you have to have a robust security protocol. And kind of the four big basics are business grade antivirus, a firewall, and I'm not talking about your internet provided modem, that's not a firewall, <laughs> um, patching, which is upgrading your operating system and your internet programs routinely, and having backups. And the FBI currently recommends a 321 protocol, three different kinds of backups and two different kinds of ways, with one of them being completely offline. And that's to help combat uh, the current threat and trend of ransomware. Yeah. So even if you, even if you're not cloud-based, even if you have a, a physical server or cloud-based, all of that applies, right? Correct. Yeah. And then above and beyond that, some of the other basics are encrypted email, um, having a really good password strategy, H12 characters, upper and lower case, at least one character and not using pets, significant others or, um, or family members' names or combinations of those as I've seen, um, and then encrypting everything you possibly can. So you, you mentioned secure email because that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So um, yeah, you're, we really shouldn't be sending radiographs, right? Or even right. penetration communication or anything of that nature. Uh, but there are some services out there. I think people, are, there are companies that provide that service. There are. So email is kind of an interesting one because uh, encrypted email has been required since 2009 with the high-tech act but a lot of people especially in dental have avoided this because it requires a password to open that encrypted email and for whatever reason email is the one thing that dental practices just say enough i'm not doing any more security this stinks i'm, I'm just not doing it but the reality is email is so easily hacked these days it's just a password that controls it. But if those email transmissions are encrypted, you know, it's just taken care of. It's locked down. And I think the other concern is people don't value x-rays or dental information as, as important as hospital-level information. It's still protected health information. I mean, my, my information ended up being compromised from dental panos. So it's, it can get out there. There's a lot of metadata. There's usually a tooth number, insurance information, name, date of birth are almost always in the metadata, even in a JPEG. Yeah. So. And as you, as you said, you don't, you know, you don't really even think about it, but people can take that and extrapolate all the way to what you said, you know, someone's going for a gastric bypass with your information and your name. I mean, you would even think that. 
that could occur, but it's just the gift that keeps on giving for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy stuff. So, so tell me a little bit, tell me, maybe give me a, give me a story or two about some of the other interesting things you've seen out there. Some of the other uh, data breaches or anything like that, that, that maybe some of the folks can relate to. Um, lately I'm seeing a lot of privacy violations, people just forgetting to not snoop in records, uh, or paper. Uh, there was actually an incident in California in Southern California, a couple months ago, uh, I'm at the salon getting my hair done and my phone starts blowing up from all these people texting me and messaging me saying that a, uh, practice in Southern California was broken into and they stole paper records that were just sitting behind the front desk and open shelving. And I know that used to be the status symbol. If you had your shelves packed full of charts, that meant you were an amazing uh, dentist, right? And now that's a huge liability. And unfortunately, this practice just recently had been broken into for the purpose of stealing those records. And if you think about especially paper records that have been sitting there for a long time, you've got uh, financial information, and you've got social security numbers, you've got insurance information, you got dates of birth, you got a lot of valuable information that cyber criminals want to sell. Yeah, absolutely. That's what happened to us. I mean, it was as simple as a little sheet with our name, address, phone number, and some bank stuff on there. And man, they went to town with that in, in no time at all. Yeah. They're way you smarter know. than the rest of us. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, so give me give me a couple of tips of, you know, how and I know you touched on it before, you know, best way to, to get prepared, but stay prepared. Cause I'm assuming this stuff changes all the time. Yeah. So I I kind of correlate it to doing basic life support. So you do that class every two years, not just because you need it for license renewal, but because you have to continue to practice it. The standard of care will change, changes a lot faster with basic life support, which used to be called CPR back in our day. And it, but it does change, you know, now it's more about the perfusion, not the air that comes into the body. So that standard of care has changed. Well, in the cyber world and with HIPAA overall, privacy hasn't changed a whole lot, but we also have a whole generation of younger people that are in these practices that grew up in a world where privacy was never expected. They grew up in the social media era. So they're not being trained on basic tenets of privacy. And then the security world changes at a three to five year cycle. So that's changing at such a fast pace that even those of us like myself that are in this world are struggling to keep up with it. So really good training and having good partners and then doing a thorough risk analysis at least once a year and making sure that somebody who's actually trained in this has eyeballs on things and and we're all working together to protect all this patient information and the practice and when you say do a thorough risk analysis like what do you mean by that what does that entail what would that entail in my office if you said do that what should i be doing lots and lots and lots of questions so there's a whole um outline of questions that have to be done per HIPAA. And they ask things like, do you have a updated notice of privacy practices? Do you have policies and procedures? Um, do you vet your vendors? 
that's kind of one of my big passion projects. I've been vetting vendors since before it was required. And you'd be surprised in dental, there's a lot of vendors that don't answer questions when it comes to security or compliance. So um, it's really up to the practice to determine if that's an okay vendor to work with. Um, one of the other things that is very important in that risk analysis is making sure that you can practice your disaster plans. So they talk about contingency plans, like a data backup recovery plan, incident response, uh, how you handle disposing of paper and computer hard drives. All of those things have to be in there. And that's the boring part of HIPAA. That's why people shy away from this topic because it, it really is overwhelming and confusing. That's why I say partner with someone that knows what they're doing and knows how it works in a dental office so that what you have to know is the dental part of it and you can get back to being with your patients as much as possible. So let me ask you a couple of questions. So what if I have like a, a scenario where I've got a practice and, you know, maybe, um, oh, I switched over to digital, you know, in the basement, I got, you know, 200, five, a thousand charts and I go shred all those. Do I have to document that keep documents of who, who was was shredded and, and all I mean how does that work so first you'd have to make sure that you digitize what you need to keep within your time frames um usually seven years is a good uh number and unless it's children then they need to be kept until they're I think 26 and um after they're digitized you can shred those Technically, you are supposed to document uh, and keep within your HIPAA documentation when information was disposed of. But since you're digitizing them, uh, you can also do a mass shredding where uh, that vendor that's shredding all your stuff, if, unless you're doing it in-house with each patient, um, if you have a company come and shred everything, you want to make sure that you're assigning them that responsibility as a HIPAA business associate. So you need a business associate agreement. You have to make sure that they're actually shredding it at your office location um, because there's been so many stories of companies that come with just the trucks and then, you know, the back door opens as they hit the gas and charts go flying all over the neighborhood. Um, or worse, this actually happened to a, a client of mine. Um, they were moving. It had nothing to do with, uh, with their two practices. And someone that was working at the shredding company came to pick up all the paper records and they pulled out an old tax record and the whole family had identity theft from that tax filing. Because you think about your dependents that are on there, their social security numbers are on there. Yeah, everybody's on there. So that's another good point. So there's a lot of companies out there. I'm not, I can't name anybody, but you, or you can actually just, you know, um, mail centers and things like that, where you can actually just drive up with a box of stuff and, and pay by the pound to have it shredded. So what you're saying is don't just drop that off. You've got to watch them do it. Yeah, um, I'm dealing with the same thing. Uh, I have lots of boxes that need to be mass shredded right now. So I'm having the company come out here and shred it in my presence. And then at the end of that, uh, they will give me a certificate of destruction to prove that these things were destroyed. And that's also a documentation requirement of HIPAA. Okay. And you got and you should have a folder ice a binder to keep all the stuff, all your records in Correct. case the HIPAA police show up. <laughs> you know, 
I, I hate that term because they're all really nice. I know most of them. <laughs> they're just lawyers. They're really nice people. They just want people to stop doing dumb, preventable things, just like of I do. <laughs> of course, all lawyers are nice now. You know. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> but these ones are. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get I, I understand. And what about our staff? I mean, uh, are we responsible? Like, let's say the staff gets involved in some nefarious activity or or they're negligent in their HIPAA duties, the practice and the practice owner, you are responsible for that as well? Correct. So that's where, uh, like I said before, I break it down into people, process, and technology. The people part, you have to train them. The process would be your policies and procedures that they sign off on above and beyond your normal employment manual. And then the technology can help reinforce it. And actually my favorite data breach that I ever worked on, I had all three involved. Um, it was, uh, the office was transitioning to a new owner and it turns out the office manager had been embezzling and writing down the details of all of her embezzlement in, in very detailed notes and kept them in her paper chart. She was also a patient of the practice. And when the new doctor came in, as many new doctors are, she was uh, buried up to her eyeballs in debt. So every penny needed to be accounted for. And um, during this, the office manager got freaked out and decided to stage a break-in after hours and roughed the place up, stole two laptops and a handful of paper records, of course, including her own. And um, the next day I got there and um, as I'm talking the doctor off the ledge because she's freaking out thinking, oh, this is gonna be horrible. I have to report to all these people. It's gonna be expensive. I didn't get cyber insurance yet. Uh, and in the end, I got a call from IT saying, it looks like the office manager's cell phone auto-connected to the staff Wi-Fi in the middle of the night. What time did the break-in happen? So we had a, a irrefutable piece of technology that logged something at a specific date and time that traced back to this individual. And when the police went to the office manager's home, they were able to retrieve the laptops, which we were able to prove had not been duplicated or accessed. Uh, and we were able to retrieve all the paper charts. So it could have been so much worse, but the office manager got the karma that she deserved. Wow, that's unbelievable. I'm sure I'm sure that's happened probably, yeah, a couple of times, unfortunately. Um, so before you mentioned vetting, um, vetting suppliers, what, what do you, be more specific? What should you be looking for when you say vet your suppliers? I mean, should you ask them specifically, hey, what's your HIPAA compliance? Or I mean, Absolutely. how do you go about that? Yeah. So, I mean, something for all of your listeners, if you email me or reach out to me on my website, I'm happy to send you the 13 questions that I start with asking. I have a much more involved process that's several pages long, uh, but it starts with asking things like, have you done a risk analysis? Is there anything we should know about that we can offset internally as far as your risks and vulnerabilities? Uh, how do you connect to our server or our practice management system if it's cloud-based? Um, do you have people offshore or are they all US-based? Because that matters with HIPAA. And the biggest one is making sure that they themselves have cyber insurance so that when and if that vendor has an incident and you have to report to all your patients, you're not left having to pay for everything. 
you know, that's really important because in the in our world that we live in now, it's it's so easy to outsource things. Any everything from billing to whatever you you do name it, you can outsource it. And you really got to be you really have to think about who you're allowing to come in to your server and you know work and look through that. Not only the company but the folks that are actually doing it. I mean, it's it's kind of frightening actually. And it really doesn't like if someone has people working offshore, that doesn't mean that you can't work with them. It just means you have to ask a lot more questions about their security posture and how things are being connected and what they have access to. So it's kind of like that credit card PCI questionnaire. If you have things set up properly, you get the eight questions, but if you answer any of those questions incorrectly, you get the 300 question questionnaire. So it's it's kind of like that. So you mentioned before, uh, you give us a good, uh, uh, really good resource that folks can reach out. And we're going to get your contact information before we, before we get off here, so folks can reach out to you. But um, tell me about this new online HIPAA platform that you're launching because it's key to everything that we just talked about. I'm very excited. So one thing that I've struggled with over the years is trying to find something that is dental specific. Everything that is available out there is healthcare specific and they're geared towards scaling and they're great in their own right. And I'm, I'm not trying to say anything about any companies at all. They're all fantastic. But I found that dental is unique. It's quirky and persnickety and a little bit antiquated in certain technologies and really advanced in others. And and how you guys operate in the practice on a daily basis is just totally unique from every other kind of healthcare entity. And I wanted to try to create something that was easy. So for most people, they can answer all the questions in a risk analysis, no problem. They just need an affordable resource to be able to find this. And, you know, for those people that get stuck or they just don't want to do it themselves, we have that as an option too. But it's really geared toward the dental practice and and the quirks that come with that to make sure that you are actually truly HIPAA compliant instead of just believing you might be. What a tremendous resource. So we'll come back to that too. You can just tell us how we can find more about that. Um, but we talked about this before too. So Let's say, you know, God forbid, you know, uh, your your office is hacked and someone, you know, has ransomware or something like that. Well, I mean, what's the first thing? Uh, what's the first thing you're going to do? I mean, how, how do you handle that? What do you do? So in the case of ransomware, uh, usually the first call is to IT. I will caution all of your listeners that it is an active crime scene when you have ransomware. So most IT providers will do whatever they have to, to get you back up and running. Um, I'm married to an IT guy, so I know they are people pleasers. <laughs> and if you push just a little bit, they'll say, okay, whatever I have to do to get you to stop yelling at me and get you off the phone. Uh, but that's actually the opposite. So because it's an active crime scene, evidence has to be preserved because if God forbid you get sued by a patient over this, and, and their information is for sale on the dark web and, and that all gets traced back to you, that information could prove the, the difference between an accident or negligence during any kind of lawsuit. So um, preserving that evidence is key and then stop doing anything. If the computers are on when this happens, which is 
100% of the time. Keep the computers on. Uh, just disconnect the internet. So the easiest thing is find your internet modem and unplug it. Okay. Don't power then, it off. <laughs> don't power it off. Just unplug it. But so what about what about the authorities? Because I mean, I got to be honest with you. And I absolutely love the police and, and all that. But when when I was, my identity was stolen, no one really cared. Yeah. I called the yeah. police. I called this person, that person. And everyone, no one wanted to help. They didn't want to do anything. Or they said, well, we really can't do anything. So who do you call? Like the police, the FBI? I mean, who? How, how so do you in a situation like that, I, I mean, I have a, a group of people that I'm a, a part of. Like I, I'm a FBI InfraGuard member, which is a a group of people in the industry that are actually working with clients and the FBI themselves. So I have access to people uh, to kind of make that facilitation happen a lot easier. But the reality is they get so many calls in a day that they're not doing a lot either. So if you're dealing with uh, identity issues, I assume that's what you were asking about for your particular situation. Yeah. Um, so, so something like that, I would highly recommend that people have a credit monitoring service. I'm a big fan of companies like Xander and LifeLock because they have identity management resources available to them, including attorneys that can help clean up messes. So, um, but you have to have it in place before something bad happens. Yeah, that's fantastic advice as well. Uh, so, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on there and, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I happen to know is that you're going to be, I think you're going to be in Dallas coming up in the, in the spring for the Denobi awards. Cause someone told me that you're on the short list for the rising star award. I am. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's awesome. And I'm very excited and I can't wait to see everyone there. Yeah. And so for those, just tell everybody, for those of our listeners that don't know what that, what that is or, or that organization, just tell us a little bit about that. It's, so the Denobi Awards is um, a part of the uh, mobile and telehealth conference that's happening in Dallas a couple of days before. And uh, Melissa Turner and Sonia Dunbar are, uh, are hosting that. That is their event, the Denobi Awards. And they try to find the people that are trying to make a big impact for dental practices and dental professionals. And I'm, I'm so honored and humbled to have been shortlisted for that. So fingers crossed that I yeah. have that. I absolutely, I absolutely believe you, you belong in that category. And, uh, cause I, cause I know that, uh, you'll be the person I'll call if I have a problem, if, if I have the ransomware, if I'm hacked, uh, just before we get off, cause we're running short on time, just tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the educational opportunities that you, that you offer. Cause I know you do a lot of speaking about this. You go around the country, you've got some webinars and things like that. Just tell us a little bit about that, that, that part of your, uh, business. Sure. So I do a lot of speaking on HIPAA, on privacy, security, cybersecurity, IT technology, technology disaster preparedness. Uh, I also do a lot of education on opioid prescribing safety and uh, those requirements. And um, I do lectures, I do workshops, I do all kinds of things. And then I, I work directly with private practices as well. And um, a lot of my courses and programs are available on my website, uh, copperpennyconsulting.com. 
And uh, if you're wanting to reach out to me for anything else, you can contact me through the website there too. Yeah, because we talked a lot about a lot about about a lot of things and we covered a lot of the ground. But I'm sure there's many listeners out there that have a question about something that we that we talked about. And uh, CopperPennyConsulting.com is the best way to get a hold of you. Correct. Fantastic. And what about your HIPAA platform? Same thing? Or it's on there as well. It's under courses. All right. So all the links are on there. Listen, we're uh, we're out of time, Amy. Wish I could have you on for a little bit longer, but uh, really great chatting with you. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So um, also like to thank our producer, Kristen Gover. And if you like what you heard, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can always find us on the AGD app, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or suggestions, contact us at news at AGD.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.